Yeah, you kind of have to fold them in half even to get them to act right while you're trying to eat it, right? Yeah. It's like a pie, el- pie element is what I'm trying to get at with the Chicago slices. Oh, absolutely. Oh, my gosh. That's, that's a great point. That's perfectly said. I'm sorry for misunderstanding, but I will say my best slices I've had in New York, you had to fold them in half before you could even try to bite the, the, the end of it, and you had to drip the grease off of it. You know what I mean? So you didn't oh, yeah. share it up. And, uh, oh, the best, bro. Once you, get that, once you get that form down, it's all heavenly. For sure. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you paid attention or not. They got all these uh, homecoming shows coming out now. They got the uh, New Orleans is next up. Yeah, I'm excited to see that. I did watch. Um, I did watch New York. I haven't caught all of L.A., but I'm looking forward to catching up on that. And then definitely uh, New Orleans is going to be incredible. That's going to be a good one. Yeah, they because uh, those are like guys that like you were doing shows with, like the uh, New Orleans people, right around that time frame, right? Yeah, I think uh, we had, because who's all on the cast? We have Julie. John Bryan, right? He was on the first challenge, I believe. Yeah. Julie was also on my first challenge. Yeah, because I came on, my first challenge was Battle of the Sexes too, so I met two of them there, and then isn't David Burns? No, it's Boston. Oh, my God. That was Seattle, um, actually. David Burns. Oh, you're actually right. Sorry. I haven't seen, I haven't actually seen all the seasons. I'm embarrassed to say that. Mike, hopefully <laughs> I have a chance to go back and watch them all. Dude, it's actually crazy how people hold your season in such a high regard. I had that March Madness thing I tagged you in a couple of weeks ago where uh, everybody was voting on it. And you guys made it to the Final Four before you bowed out to Vegas. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Well, I'm happy to hear that. That means a lot. Um, Mike, I will tell you this. I wasn't on the other seasons and it's so weird to watch your season cause you actually lived it. So you're almost wa- watching like a highlight reel with, you know, some seasoning to it with the, the edits and the music that's added in there. But, um, I will say the memories we created on San Diego, some of the best memories of my life that Halloween where Randy and I made our own costumes, um, the, the interactions with every single cast member on that season, such incredibly different, diverse backgrounds and just, I don't know how to say it, but just great energy. I mean, we learned so much from each other and had such a good time, you know, so it was just such a blessing to be a part of that group. It's like one of those things where lightning only strikes once in that sense during like that era of shows like reality tv is taking on such a different type of genre i feel like these days you know what i mean like we don't have the same type of conversations that we have most of the time you'll probably see people that are already established you know they'll just pluck those people like say like on the housewives shows i mean the jersey shore people i mean that goes without saying now what they've become so like they, they don't even need to have like real conversations anymore whereas like when you guys were coming up like you said there's probably a board somewhere and there's a typecast and it's like this person's let's just say Mormon. And then let's see how they interact with the frat guy. You know what I mean? So it's such a different dynamic these days. You know, Mike, touching on the typecasting thing, I'm hopefully this is of interest to you, but I will say I I kind of wondered, I didn't watch, I have to be honest. I didn't watch the show when I got casted. My friends talked me into going to a casting call. And I honestly think that's why I got on is because I didn't care. And I was just, I was being authentic, but I didn't care. And when I finally got picked, I was watching Paris. They were arguing about peanut butter and eggs, and I couldn't figure out what was going on exactly. I only had a couple episodes to warm up to. And I remember getting a call from the executive producer, you know, congratulating me for making the show. And the first thing I said is, what's wrong with me? I'm watching the show now. <laughs> he goes, he said, he said this, he goes, nothing is wrong with you. We just look for people that can't help but be themselves on camera. And I thought that was such a breath of fresh air because when you speak to the typecasting, you can almost put false pressure on yourself believing in that. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. if, um, if, if, if somebody felt like they were supposed to fill certain shoes, then it's going to be very hard to be authentically yourself. So I think that um, I wish maybe, you know, if for I know what you're saying, there kind of seemed to be a bit of a shift at some point. Um Maybe those words should have been said to everybody, too, because I didn't know what I was supposed to do. Who writes? And we're going back a lot of years, but it's not like they gave you a flow chart. Like, hey, here's what the show is going to be like. If you feel like if you feel anxiety, then you do this or that. They don't give you that. So, like, it's all brand new. No one's written this. And I think that's the beauty of reality television, you know, and what's what's helped it develop to what it is. 
You know, and I'm so glad you actually pointed that out because legitimately the last two people, which were from the New Orleans cast that's upcoming that I've had on, I said the same exact thing. I said, doesn't it feel like there's a recurring pattern that people that got picked back in the day for these shows didn't take the process seriously and that's why they wanted them? And they were kind of like, I mean, yeah, it makes sense, but they were like more so on the fence about it, you know, whereas like you clear cut and dry said verbatim exactly what I just said a couple days ago. It does feel like that, right? Well, absolutely. And Mike, you might find a little bit of interest in this story too. My cut, my cousin talked me into going to a casting call with a bunch of our high school friends. I tried getting out of line three times because we waited for seven hours and I was pretty frustrated. Wow. So by the time we got in, we were the last, yeah, we were the last group to interview. They closed the doors on the line behind us and people were banging on the windows while they were sitting us down because they were so mad. They weren't going to get to talk to anybody. And Mike, after seven hours, I understood. Um, so we sat in a circle. The casting director said, turn to the person next to you and tell me what you think they're all about. And the circle went all the way around. She looks like a cheerleader. He looks like a jock. She looks like a goth. Like they started just throwing out stereotypical names you heard in high school. And it got back to me. And Mike, I'm not going to lie. I was a little hangry. I was a little hangry. We waited for seven hours, right? I tried to get out line three times. I looked at the girl and I looked at the casting director. And I said, this is the dumbest fucking thing I've ever seen in my life. I can't believe you guys all said something about the person next to you. You should be ashamed. <laughs> of and I stood up to get out of there. And that's when they asked me to come upstairs for more pictures <laughs> and to fill out some forms. And I think that's when they realized we want this dude. But the truth is, Mike, I was fed up. I was really trying to leave. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like somebody might have called you something. And that's what set off the uh, chain reaction there. No, actually, it was kind of weird because now that you say that, that's such a good, that's such a good question. I can't remember what the person next to me said about me, and I wish I did, <laughs> because they did me, and then I was supposed to do the girl, and Mike, I'm dying to know. I, I don't forget what the person before me said. I remember being hungry, tired, and wanting to get out of there, so I just, I just freestyled that, and um, <laughs> then they had me come upstairs for pictures and to fill out this form. And I filled out half of the form. And then one of the girls that went to the Cubs game with us afterwards filled out the other half of the form in different handwriting. So I don't know how they felt about that, but they had to have at least noticed it. <laughs> well, what would you have like characterized yourself as? Say if like uh, you were at that meeting, like what would you have characterized 2004 Brad as if you were typecasting him? Man, I don't know, man. Um, A lover of life, man. And I just didn't know how to find, I didn't know, I didn't find my niche in life yet. I mean, I had things that I got excited about, but uh, I just, I, I loved party and I loved motorcycles. I loved making people laugh and just hanging out with people, you know, um, I don't know, I guess. I almost feel like, is it, do you think I, let me ask you this. Do you think I got the fraternity boy at it? Is 100%. I, got, I, was, I was actually waiting for you to say that. <laughs> I was trying, no, I'm trying to steer, dude, I'm literally trying to steer around it with everything I have. And then I'm like, you know, let me just come clean and ask. <laughs> yeah. Listen, man, sometimes you just gotta, yeah. you just gotta let it stick. You gotta take it. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? I got, I got the frat boy at it for sure. hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> Were you cool with everything you saw, like on the on your real world show, the first one? Like, you know, when you watch this thing back, if you watched it back, because, you know, a lot of people say they don't watch themselves back. Like were you, when you saw it play out, were you like, you know, I'm cool with how it happened? Or were there some things where you're like, well, damn, that kind of kind of doesn't look right. Mike, I think that's a great question. I, I, I will tell you that I learned more about myself from watching uncomfortable moments than um, any other feedback that I've ever been given in my life. So I do understand especially through an edit when you lived it. But the truth is there's a lot of learning that can come from that. And um, bro, I'm telling you, like I like just an easy one. Like I don't drink hard alcohol anymore. That's a no brainer for a guy like oh. me, right? I mean, if you've seen what, <laughs> well, there's a couple other things and like, no, but the truth is Mike, what if I didn't learn those lessons? Where would I be if I would even be here still today? You know, so like, I feel like, you know, I count blessings and I learn. I'm a lifelong learner. I don't know if you know this, but I'm a licensed educator. I'm not currently teaching. Oh, cool. But the Lasallian heart and the mindset of a teacher is to always be a lifelong learner. So I guess, you know, of course, there's going to be moments where you look back and it's uncomfortable. But to sell yourself short of the learning experience, sells yourself short of the value of walking away, being able to look back and say it was still a positive experience, you know? 
No, that's definitely a, a fantastic outlook to look at it like because I feel like, you know, there's certain instances in your life, whether or not it doesn't make sense at the time, everybody goes through that kind of nostalgic period and reflecting period where like it's just time passes, I feel like. Like I find myself if like even if it's a situation in the current time where I didn't quite enjoy it, like as time passes, you think and you're like, on this day three years ago I did this, you know, and then you reflect back on what you're doing at that time and you're like well, that kind of just set the groundwork for what I'm doing now. And it seems like that's a lot of what uh, you dealt with. Amen, brother. I love the way you said that. It reminds me of a snippet from a book that I'm reading. And it just spoke to how it's a spiritual journey, you know, book about chakras. And it just spoke about how in the moment when something feels intense and it's kind of controlling your energy, you know, like if, 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 if a if uh, an action or if something happens that makes you feel toxic, toxic, it's important to remember exactly what you just specifically said. A year from now, when we look back, this will not feel like the end of the world. So let's take the end of the world feeling off of this now with a deep breath, because the reality is the perspective that you just shared can do that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did see your stories. You do kind of seem like you're into book reading these days. Is that something you adopted recently with like uh, trying to be more Zen particularly? Yeah, I'm on a spiritual quest of truly trying to find internal healing that I really can't explain um, in words in a podcast necessarily unless we made one just strictly about this. But, Mm -hmm. um, you know, a lot of us have been through a lot. And I I was a teacher for years and I taught special ed with some behavior students where I brought yoga into the classroom. And that became a life-changing experience, not just because I was able to share something very helpful with my student body, but when I was able to, when I was able to see those children start doing better in school and start to behave better, and I saw the change in them, it really reminded me how much adults need the same thing. So I've been sharing these books that I'm reading, the ones that I really like with friends, and I'm trying to spread this energy to um, other people, you know, that I network with or that I'm friends with because uh, I've, I've with, without that teaching experience, without, you know, really starting to dive into yoga to help children, I don't know if I would have found the healing that I've found in some of the difficult things I've been through in life, and I would like to share that with as many people as possible. That's beautiful. Have you ever thought about writing your own book? Oh, maybe one day if I felt like I had enough knowledge and experience to really streamline something brilliant to, you know, my to the readers. But for right now, I'm just trying to spread good energy and, you know, build power in routine. I think routine is one of the most powerful tools we can use as human beings to, you know, to, to reach our goals and to maintain a happiness and balance. So that's one of the things I'm really focusing on now is just a powerful routine. And with the, like, you know, with the moving back and forth, that's been yeah. a bit of a struggle lately. <laughs> yeah. And you've obviously got way more like means of putting out information like that, like inspirational stuff through social media that maybe didn't exist back when you were originally on your first stints of shows was social media and jumping back into the shows right around, like maybe the vendetta's final reckoning time. Was that something that caused you any trepidation or were you like feeling like you're right in your wheelhouse now having that means of being accessible to people? Um, well, it kind of reminded me of just like a new version of MySpace. Remember MySpace? Oh, that was so, the, that's the thing back when, uh, Oh, four. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, we had the profile songs and everything. And I was killing it on MySpace back in the day. And then I, I switched over to Facebook and Instagram before coming back to television, but obviously it was a lot different once I had gone on, on vendettas, mm-hmm. the web traffic picked up substantially, but I really love the Instagram tools. I like um, I like the ability to not just keep up with friends and family, you know, but uh, also take the opportunity to inspire when the, when the opportunity is there. And I know I haven't been posting a whole lot lately. I've been going through some of my own battles. And mm-hmm. um, as I'm building myself into a stronger person, I'm learning a lot. And I'm hoping to share um, some of the tools that I have been using very shortly. So hopefully that's something that the the audience likes as well you know yeah did the show ever cause you any like internal battles because i know for some people like uh being on the shows and then coming off it's a little bit of a culture shock jumping back into the normal life or is that just more so stuff you're dealing with on your own 
the culture shock thing, I understand with the shows. Honestly, I'm not trying to make short of that, but most of my, I would say 99.9% of my struggles come from a selfish adult keeping children away from a loving father. And there's no way, there's no other way to word that. I haven't seen my children since last July, and that's because there's one selfish person making choices and not following paperwork. My kids currently don't work. They, they're not living in the home state that they're supposed to, supposed to, according to the divorce paperwork. So these are the things that have happened that, that have really taken over my life. Um, if you ask any new parent what they would do if somebody removed their child from their life, their first response is probably not going to be something that's legal. What you'll find discomfort in is that the legal system is not set up to address these things in a timely manner. And my children are growing up quickly without a father. But Mike, before I go any further with this, I want to count the blessings with you here because yeah. I don't think in a negative way. And, this, and, and, and what I'm talking to you about is true spiritual development and counting the blessings. My sons are healthy, right? So like, mm -hmm. that's a, that's the biggest blessing to count. Um, I'm still in this nightmare court case, whatever, but like, I'm still able to provide these funds for my attorney to continue this case that's been going on for over a year now. So that is, that is almost a hundred percent of my discomfort and what I've been battling because outside of that, my life is so blessed. I have, um, I have so much appreciation to be coming back on all stars and to be able to relive my youth in such an incredible way. And the fans have been so supportive and I've been so excited to train for these, but the hard part is, you know, not seeing your kids or really getting to speak to them for months on end and like still trying to live your life. It sucks to soul right out of you. So I can only hope for closure with that soon. And you know, more importantly than anything, I just um, more progression in my spiritual journey. So God forbid I ever need to help my sons through something like this one day. I could at least live by example and, you know, not fall apart as a person or not get angry because being angry doesn't help anything. Mm -hmm. But I would be lying to tell you that I wasn't hurt to my core and that I wasn't fighting for my soul every day in my spiritual journey. Because when someone takes your kids out of your life, that's what you're living with. And um, again, I still count blessings. My sons are healthy and we're still in this process. So I can only hope for the best outcome possible, you know? Yeah, I'm, I'm pulling for you, man. You know, I mean, things like that, like that are out of your control. It almost like they could engulf your everyday routine, you know, whether or not like I've had situations like where I'm trying to like go to the gym or something and I'm literally there. There's nothing stopping me from being there, but like situations out of my control were just pretty much engulfing me to the point where like I couldn't even perform like a simple function. So I totally get where you're coming from, especially in your case. So, well, and what you spoke to right there is, is step one and you got to separate the things that you can control from the things that you cannot control. I mean, it, it, because we can't change the things we cannot control, but we can change the things that we can. So just separating those issues into those, you know, into that T chart or that list, whatever we're speaking to here, in that visual, whether you put it together in your mind or on paper in front of you, it helps you direct your energy into a positive place. And if you do that long enough with the routine that we were talking about, Mike, good things just start to happen. And, you know, that's all we can do. Right, brother? Yeah. So you had kind of like that uh, post in 2019 where people chalked it up to like a retirement thing for you, right? As far as like coming off the flagship a little after Final Reckoning. Now we're seeing you resurface yeah, yeah. on All Stars. Was the flagship default retirement thing, was that kind of like a spur of the moment type of thing? Like, did you want to step away or was it kind of just circumstantial And when you posted that? Honestly, Mike, I can't tell. I, I, uh, I might have been a little emotionally risen from a couple of, a couple of uh, life situations at that time. But I think even when I think I want to retire or move on, I know it's not the truth. This game gets in your blood. I would still go back and do a flagship show if I had all the other life things that I, you know, like if I had this court case and everything else taken care of and I could, if I could afford to do it in the schedule and I got the invite, I couldn't say no. Mm -hmm. I can't say no. I love this game. The this game is in my blood. Um, yeah. Oh, big time, big time. And I might not have a whole lot of wins, 
but I helped push these guys to get the wins because I've got a lot of second place finishes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh. So I got to I got to keep the fire under these boys asses. Otherwise, you know, it's like it's, I feel like that's my job. And, and hopefully I get that W one day. But um, I'm sure enjoying the fight to get to it. You know, bro, I look at your career and I'm like. I'm so fortunate or well, you're fortunate, but I'm so like glad that, you know, you got at least your win on cutthroat because I was like, you can't write the history of this show without this guy being having the label of a champ. Like you look down your resume of like all your seasons and how so many of them were like, like an inch close. It's like, it's like, you can't yeah, write. Close. I, and also this is my theory too. I don't know. Like, you know, don't tell me I'm blowing smoke or nothing, but I feel like you helped push the direction in which the flagship is now where it's kind of like competition based because back in the day we hadn't seen like they were doing like the backyard games and stuff but then like you came in and you had your battles with abe a few times you had your battles with landon guys like that i feel like that kind of set in motion and was a catalyst for what the show is now wow thank you for saying that mike that means a lot um i i i actually do see what you're saying i know that you probably already know but there's a handful of other guys in that that list that you just named but yeah we gave him too many elimination rounds that hit such good you know tv to take the show in any other direction i guess i never thought of that until you dropped that knowledge on me now but realistically how could you not some of those eliminations even like the Derek joss elimination like i mean dude no one's forgetting those (laughs) what what is yours that you don't forget as as far as like your individual battles I, Mike, I still remember when I dropped to my knees in the last, and I actually went like, ah, when I, when I beat Landon, I like make a sound like that. But when I dropped to my knees, it truly felt like authentic, like warrior in battle stuff. Like I didn't mean to make that sound. That was the last of my energy leaving my body. Wow. And I collapsed in that moment. And it was such a euphoric moment because Landon was a division one wrestler from Madison, Wisconsin. I've never wrestled a day in my life, bro. <laughs> So when he was pile driving me and stuff and TJ was trying to say, you can't do that because it was outside of the rules. I didn't know how that was going to go. But the one thing I told uh, Evan Starkman and Dion Brown the night before that elimination was that I was going to swing his ring like that to beat him. And when I was able to use that and make it seconds close, I still hear as I'm telling you the story, I hear the clink, clink. Like it was a tenth of a second, maybe two tenths of a second. And it barely worked. And it was so cool because it, it did work. But if you look when I throw the ring, it hits that post and bounce back to him. It was never supposed to do that, Mike. It was supposed to go all the way around the circle. So I never <laughs> got it in on it. It was too close for comfort. But I got to use it. And that was the best elimination for me, hands down. I'm so I'm such a person who's very big on storytelling. And the drama of that was just oh my god like you can't write a better script you got the guy at that point landon who's pretty much you know he's won every show he's been on and he looked like the favorite on that season that was ironically enough the season that he didn't win was that one and that was probably his best season up until that point when you beat him so, yes yeah. right oh he was fired up and i you can't blame the man he like you said he did so good that entire season Oh my God! He messed he, he messed really up his shoulder from that too. He said it's actually funny. I had yeah. him on about a, about a year and a half ago. He said every time when I'm when I turn my shoulder at night when I'm on bed, I think of Brad. I'm like because <laughs> of his shoulder. Oh, I hate I hate to hear that, Mike. I hate to hear that. Um, I did hear something about that, and I gotta say, I got so much love and respect for that man. I hope my I hope our paths cross somehow soon. But uh, that's awesome. I have to look up your podcast with him 100 because yeah. I miss him, dude. He's a great dude. Did you get nicked up on that elimination too? I, I, I could have sworn I thought you ran that uh, dual two final a little banged up. Oh, a hundred percent, bro. I mean, for, first of all, when you see him pick me up over his head and he slams me into the gravel, I was seeing legit stars, like white flashes instead of like the stuff that's in front of me that I should be seeing. So I was a little uh, concussed from that a hundred percent. And then, uh, oh, I'm sure there was a couple other ones, a couple knee bangers, maybe some shoulder action. I was definitely, I was definitely banged up for the final, which we ran the very next day. Photo finish too, might I add. Yeah, yeah, that was a hard one for me to uh, process, but I will say uh, I was banged up. I went against MJ the day before Landon. So I did MJ, Landon the next day, 
right into the final all in three days. So it was a it was a tough three days. Last yeah, minute overtime for this guy. <laughs> you you were the workhorse, man. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, we we obviously talked about the social media thing a moment ago. I kind of think, like, you know, if social media existed back when, like, you were on some of your shows, like, how much even more exposure that some moments might have had. Like, for instance, you know, I hate to bring it up, but, you know, on your San Diego season, we had the uh, infamous arrest episode that everybody talks about to this day. Could you imagine yeah. have that, like, taken place now? Like, oh, the type of blow yeah. up that would have got? Now that you say it like that, Mike, I, I understood what you were saying earlier, but now that you're using that specific example, yeah, that would be an absolute, uh, there would have been more memes and stuff, I think. Isn't that what we'd be looking at, memes and, uh, you know, uh, I don't even know, it. you're right, it would be different, but I can't really think beyond, you know, the memes, how much different it would be. Did it feel big at the time when it happened, like in terms of like uh, coming off the show? Um. I don't know, man. I think I was in this weird mode where I was just trying to embrace the opportunity. Um, I was told to just be myself at age 23. Mike, what the hell does that mean? Oh, be yourself. Like, I'm trying to work. Like, I got this list. That, I got this to-do list to, to be a responsible. <laughs> and then someone says, hold on. Your only job now is to be yourself. And you're like, well, hold on. Throw this list away because I didn't write it. What, what, what are we going to do? So it's like, we got a motorcycle. <laughs> we got, we got, we started making like race apparel, clothing line stuff. And we tried our, we did our damnedest to be ourselves back then, you know, and it was an awesome gig. It truly was. You must've gotten a lot of like offers, like to do like speaking engagements and like bar appearances. That was the popular thing I remember, right? Around that time. Yeah. Mike, I was doing about 20 cities a month, bro. Exhausting, but so flattering to show up to so many places that were excited to see you. Uh, the events were paying well and just incredible to interact with so many people, but very tiring after you know several months of doing that in a row. What was, what, what was like the most inviting location you always like if you knew you were going to it and you're like, all right, this is going to be this is going to be a banger um gosh man anything out in new york usually hit hard uh, upstate new york was usually pretty good too like uh tiki bobs up by niagara falls that place is pretty dope um the east coast was kind of like my second home i don't know if it's like the south side chicago accent or what but like people just embraced <laughs> me out there <laughs> <laughs> so anywhere i mean i could have went to you know J jersey was always welcoming super welcoming jersey was always love uh New York was always loved. Just, you know, anywhere down the whole East Coast, I mean, pretty much felt like I was still home, you know, back then. Yeah. I was going back and forth so much. Now, where's your head at if, say, if uh, you get the ring for uh, San Diego homecoming? Like, if they were able to patch this thing together, what would your answer be? Because uh, I, I, I two mean, ladies, two ladies from your show, most notably, have uh, recently come out and said that they're hoping for it as well, actually. Jamie and uh, Cameron. Wow, that's really good to hear because that would be so incredible to reconnect with everybody. Mike, I'd love nothing more. I mean, the show would be great. I'd love to see the edit. I'd love to see how the experience plays out. But if I could just get in the same room with my old cast for even 24 hours, I feel like the most blessed man on the planet. I really? love them all. I miss them like I miss them like we shared such an incredible experience. I'm so proud of so many of them for their accomplishments. To be able to reconnect and just have a blast from the past would just be It'd be perfect. It truly would be. Yeah. I think Randy's still in uh, San Diego himself, like doing the uh, DJ thing yeah. and some stuff out there. Yeah. So I talk to Randy and Jacquees on group text. We go, we own waves. We'll start texting and then we'll fall off. Um, but love those boys. We keep talking about a Vegas reunion. It hasn't happened for two or three years so far. So I don't want to like say it's going to happen, but it, hopefully one day we put this thing together. And if not, uh, the homecoming. Uh, that would be even better, really. Yeah. And this is a little more unfortunate one. I don't know if you've heard through the grapevine what's going on with Robin, though, or anything. Have uh, Have you heard about what's up with her? I don't know the details, and I don't want to speak too much about information I can't verify. However, um, I have heard some unfortunate stories. I reached out to her directly, hoping for a response. I didn't get one. Um I actually talked to Randy and Jacquees about the possibility of trying to do something. And from what it looks like, 
we can't actually get a hold of her. It just seems to be like a, uh, uh, it just seems to be like a situation where either we're misreading this or help isn't wanted. And I don't know either one of those. I, my heart hurts for what I'm hearing. I can tell you that. Um, and God, if there would be any way we could even pull this together full circle with the homecoming, if we're grateful enough to have one, um, I think that would be really good for the person we're speaking to because, you know, she always loved our whole cast like family and that's, that hasn't changed on my end. So uh, I, I hope she hits me back, especially if she happens to see this or hear anything about uh, me trying to reach out to her. And um, all I can do is hope that, you know, one day soon that she either fixes things on her own or we get a chance to at least connect and, and hopefully fix something. All we could do is pray, you know, at this point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah you're right you're right yeah uh the individual needs to want help if if what you know if what's being spoke to is the case and honestly i i respect that i don't i've never had to walk that walk so i don't know what kind of struggles she's going through but i do know that she's got beautiful children that are worth fighting for and she's also a beautiful person that's why it's worth fighting for you know mm-hmm. yeah I want to now kind of talk about another one of your close calls because this is like a huge debate and everybody refers back to this moment from the gauntlet three and they use your confessional quote as like the main uh, soundbite because we always get hear this debate about what would have happened with the uh, the big easy thing. But everybody always points out your quote saying, I honestly think if we would have just power walked this thing, we would have won this thing. Now, knowing what you know about how that final was, do you think? had you guys actually power walked it and just kind of went at like a steady jog pace or something, you guys still would have pulled that thing out. Yes. And I think that the biggest reason for that is the time lapse. I don't do they don't show the time lapse and how long it took for the, uh, no, no. Okay. Cause that's, that's why I probably said that is because I want to say it took them close to 45 minutes to an hour to dig that final, the, the treasure chest out of the sand. And they were all exhausted and they, it was like, they, yeah, like barely doggy paddling it out. And, you know, we had CT and myself and we, myself, we had, who else was that? We had Kenny. Kenny, Kenny Evan. It's hard to remember. Yeah. So yeah, Evan, we had a, we had a good group the of girls were stout too. Box out. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. So like we could have dug that, that treasure chest out in probably five or 10 minutes and it was pretty deep. Um, they, when they dug it out, like couldn't even get it out of the hole that it was in. You know what I mean? Like that's how long it took. And and I'm not knocking their team. It was very heavy, very exhausting. But I, we walked and kept all of our players intact. Um, yeah, we would have won. Hindsight, though, Mike, how would we ever? How would we ever know that? It's never a good. I'm not saying I had the right plan. You should never walk from the beginning. Big Easy was purple, bro. He was purple coming out of the water. I always I wondered about behind the scenes with that. Like, I really honestly wondered how that really was going down. Like, because we only see, obviously, the fu- the finished product. We don't necessarily see the stoppages and, um, you know, whatever else went through it as far as, like, stretching them out and the, the, the arguments that you guys were having. You know, you were the only one, Bro. man. I got to give you your flowers here. You were the only one that, uh, <laughs> like, actually made a conscious effort to stop for the man. Well, thank you. I was one of three people that could see him turning purple. So like, it was like, I'm not like, he was literally turning purple and his eyes were rolling back in his head. I had to get involved, Mike. I couldn't take it anymore. Um, But I will say um, just to throw a bone CT's way too, he did a lot of work trying to help easy through that in the way that he believed was the right way. He swam him in from shore and easy was purple then. And then, I mean, it was just, it got to the point where, motivation was going to take him out. You know what I'm saying? Like he was trying to motivate him, trying to, you know, you know, get him in that military mindset to run this thing. And at some point you just saw him turning purple. He's wrapped up in chains and his eyes are rolling in the back of his head. Mike, that's, that's just taking it too far, you know? But that was one win that uh, kind of got taken from you a little early. If I'm playing devil's advocate. here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But you got to realize this. I mean, had I pushed easy with that group, he would have gone down sooner. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But I, I, I mean, I, even though I think we could have won it if we walked, there was no way to know that. You know what I'm saying? There was no way to know that. 
I always ask this recently, but like, were the challenges something like you really had to like train for back then, or were people kind of just training for the aesthetic look since it was just you know to kind of look appealing for the cameras? Because obviously now you got to train for them one thousand percent. But I mean, you you you've been in both worlds here, so I kind of want to get a gauge here. I like that question. Um, I think they were always worth training for. They're definitely for the aesthetic too, um, but they were always, there was always um, running in the heat or having to do something where you were physically exerting yourself. Even if you had to eat something gross or do something stupid with it, there was usually that element. And mm, can you re-ask me the question so I don't get off track, Mike? Because we were comparing the new and the old, right? Yeah, kind of how the training was now versus yes. then. Sorry, I didn't mean to, I didn't mean to space there. Uh, so I I think it was still worth training, but I couldn't. I was doing twenty cities a month, like we were just talking about with the bar crawls and the public speaking. So they would hit you with a challenge date, and you'd look at your calendar and you'd be like, "Oh my god!" Like we're going right from this home for forty eight hours, and then we're jumping on a flight to film a TV show in a foreign country. So it was nonstop action, and I will say. Um, they were always worth training for, but now the competition has heightened to such an extent. I mean, you got to realize like when Derek Kay and I went up against each other in all stars too, for that elimination, we thought it was going to be something like pole wrestling. So, the so same we basically brought up like, yeah, we even brought up and we said like, Hey dude, like hopefully nobody gets seriously injured during this, but like we both know how much this game means to both of us. And it's not personal if somebody does, you know what I mean? Cause like we're two competitors that are going to leave every fiber of our being on the field every time. And we know that that's part of our legacy to this game that we love. And that's what I respect and love so much about him. So when I get pinned up against him, <laughs> it's like, do you know what I'm saying? Like, it's like, He's one of those players like, like Abe or CT or even Johnny or Darrell or, you know, like those are names you throw at me and you tell me I'm going against somebody. And it's like, I wish I did a lot more than training at that point. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> that's, it's, a, it's, 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 it's your legacy to the game. It's your legacy to the game. And I think for me, I don't look at that as a pressure. I look at it as a motivation to where I'll go above and beyond and put my body at risk to leave my legacy and my mark on this game. And I think that those players will do the same. I remember when I saw like that was going to be the matchup, it was almost like a, like this is a sure thing. Like it was just, all right, yep, there we go. This is going to be a headbanger. But uh, I don't know. Oh, dude, I, for sure. Do, do you think like it's maybe like the all-star element of it? Like, uh, you know, you guys are obviously, you know, grown up adults and parents now. Like maybe they don't want to. Uh, to see maybe is that like not like for a certain demographic here like as maybe it would be for like the uh flagship show where they would much prefer people kind of bashing heads on that that one but this is kind of maybe like more family oriented where uh the demographics may not enjoy seeing that i honestly think that i, I see what you're saying but i do believe that there is some kind of preservation of the more responsible parents. Like we got parents, we got uh, people that have a lot of additional responsibility that we didn't necessarily have in our early twenties. I don't think that makes anybody's value change. To be honest, I do see that um, they, they do seem to like, for example, Tyler and LT still had pole, uh, pole wrestle. And that was because there was no female elimination round on that particular evening. I think you'll still see those types. I think if, if Derek Kay and I went and there was no female elimination round on that evening, I think you would have saw pole wrestling as well. So um, I think you'll still see those elements snuck in when they can do it in a way where they think like, hey, both these guys are okay with it. But I don't think they're trying to put two house moms up against each other in pole wrestling when they're like, I don't even know if I want my kids to see this, let alone hurt myself in this situation so i think they're and i i got a lot of respect for it if that's the way they're doing it but i think they're trying to keep that balance but still bring in the pole wrestling when appropriate you know that's actually a fantastic point that i didn't even think about you know it's it's different when you get like a you versus Derek thing where like everybody's like all right this makes sense we'll we'll see these two guys go at it but like it's maybe not the most appealing thing in the world to see uh, two moms kind of uh, get into a headbanger on a Paramount Plus. I don't know if that's necessarily targeting yeah. anybody's uh, interest there, but, you know. Well said, Mike. I think you said it perfectly. I mean, I think that, you know, you get two people that are that get excited about headbangers. That is their storyline from the past, you know, seasons. 
yeah, I think there is, there's, there's a draw to that as opposed to, like you said, somebody that doesn't want to go in like, Oh my, you know, I don't want to get hurt. Right? That's just, that's, that's, that's different. I agree. And I was thinking the same thing on the final Vendetta's elimination because you had this big comeback, man, and you made it all the way up until you go. I said this. I was like, this is so symbolic. He, he wins in Czech, returns seven years later back in Czech Republic. You guys relocated on Vendetta's, if you remember. I'm like, this is like a full circle I moment. This is, this is the comeback. I don't even know. If, did you think about that, too, while you were? Uh, yes. Did that cross yes, your mind? So why- Yes. So while you're saying this, we actually went on the same tour on the same boat, um, like through the city. And it was so symbolic to me. I mean, like I was having flashbacks um, and I felt really good. Um, I will say I still have not watched that elimination round. I don't know what it looks like, Mike, because uh, there was a malfunction on my wall. I was about to point that out. I don't know if they showed part of that. I did. I don't know if they showed that or not. Your ball, your, I was supposed your to handle broke inside the uh, ball thing that you were holding. Well, that that happened. Plus, my wall fell over instead of going yeah, through. Sh- so the supports on the wall were, and I looked over at production to see if there was going to be a reset, and I could tell no, there was not. So I kept going, and man, I mean, hats off to Lee. He smoked that thing. He got right through it, and he even and, and another another thing. Uh, hats off to Lee. He gave me pick on what side I wanted. And I picked that side. So um, absolute fair win. But I just uh, I couldn't watch it personally because I wanted what you said so badly. I wanted that full circle. I'm back in Prague. I mean, I felt the vibes, you know, and there's so much history in the ground there. Like I did feel like I, you know, I was coming out of this very stressful situation at home and I was given this beautiful opportunity to reconnect with my past and I felt exactly what you were speaking to, and it just didn't play out like that. So, um, just like the truck on All Stars too, you know, you can only do your best, man. And then it's like all it takes is one moment, and it changes so much. You know what I mean? And that was another situation too, though, with that elimination setup. I was like, there, and keep in mind, there was no girl elimination for that one. I was like, how the hell are you not going to put? You know, Leroy's another uh, guy who's regarded in like uh, some cases as like a heavy hitter as well. Like, I'm like, why the hell are we not yeah, having these absolutely. two guys go at it? I, I, that was something that yeah. kind of confused me. I, I honestly wouldn't. I mean, I thought like I have any urge to do anything hands on with Lee at all. But yeah, I think it would have been better for the show. You know what I'm saying? I love Lee. I mean, it, you know, it is what it is. But um, yeah, I think that would have been a better pick given the situation. Now you say that. That final was tailor-made for you, man, too. Yeah, that would have worked pretty good. I, when I watched that, I was kind of like, damn, I really wanted a shot at this, you know? <laughs> what about – how often do you get, like, the uh, car scene with The Miz brought up from uh, – I think it was The Inferno, too. Uh, not that often. I mean, every once in a while, I even get cameo requests for it and stuff. And honestly, Mike, I just do them with a smile and have fun with it. You know, really? like, uh, it's not something that bothers you. Like if you get trolled or nothing, no, like- you know, Hey, no, 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 man. I got real problems, Mike. Come on. If that, like, if, I, if that was one of the things that got me tilty, I would need to read a lot more of these books that I'm reading. Um, but here's the thing. Uh, I, I can only say that it's one of those things where you look back and like, you know, I, I was drinking, I was, I was sleeping in the back of the van that I got woke up and, and, and that all came about. The only reason that I looked so upset, I think is because I was still, you know, drunk on tequila and I was trying to pull him out of the van at the time and everything. Cause I didn't really know what was going on. I mean, all, <laughs> I mean, I didn't intentionally do that, but, uh, you know, I'll get people that, you know, say we still scream that and, you know, we still say that joking around and they'll ask me for cameos and stuff. And, you know, I'll do them. I'll do them for fun. You know, just, uh, I just sent this one girl once. She actually, unfortunately, had some really sad, like, I think, you know, actually, she lost her dad. And one of her friends oh, was wow. like, hey, is there any way you could, you know, but she goes, can you do it now? It's a necklace. It's our thing. And I'm like, you just lost your dad. I, I, I cut up a pair of underwear just for her, Mike. No shit. Yeah, cut up a pair of underwear. Now it's the necklace. That's amazing. So it can't bother me too bad. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Yeah, dude. I mean, it's like, hey, people are going to get a laugh out of it. And if somebody even going through something like that is going to get a kick out of some guy sending them something like that, I'm all about it, man. You know? That's awesome. I I, I actually appreciate you doing uh, something like that, going uh, up and beyond 
for someone, you know what I mean? It, you don't know what somebody's going through, and, like, those uh, however long minutes or so could uh, make someone's day, you know what I mean? A hundred percent. And with that said, when I get cameo requests, I'm usually going through some stuff myself, too. So it's a reciprocal um, appreciation, if you will, because... You know, just just to have someone bring up the, you know, I might have just got off the phone with an attorney or I might be dealing with a move, some things that you're familiar that I'm going through right now. And to get a request for a now it's a necklace for somebody that it would mean that much to, that's still a blessing. And who would have thought now it's a necklace was going to turn into that when I was first outside of the van trying to get the Miz to get out of there. <laughs> I feel like... I feel like if social media was a thing back then, that would have been on a shirt or something like that or like trademarked. <laughs> You're probably right. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure you're probably right on that. Yeah. Speaking of cameo, Brad, I don't know if you remember this or not, but two years ago, about a month, because I'm, I'm approaching my two-year anniversary of this show, actually, in about 13 days, a month before I started my podcast two years ago on my birthday, I got a cameo from you. And that's what you said in that thing lit such a fire under my ass to get this thing started. I just well, wanted to share I really that. appreciate that. Thank you for sharing no, that. Nobody knows remember, that until now. I remember that cameo. And in fact, I have not been real good with social media. So when I saw your DMs from like, you know, some of them were from a couple months ago and one of them was recent. I was so grateful that I happened to check my DMs on that day. And that's when I reached out and I was in the middle of the move. But I wanted to get this going as quickly as possible because, Mike, um, I appreciate you reaching out and I appreciate you recipro reciprocating the motivation because uh, that means the world to me. And I think you're doing an incredible job with your podcast. I truly enjoyed this interview. And uh, all I can say is it means the world. I do remember sending that to you. And when I read your DMs that I, I, I just I have, I'm going through my DMs and I'm going to try to make sure I haven't missed a lot of important ones, too, because that was really important to me. And that's why I reached right out to you, because uh, I just felt like. No matter if we're in the middle of a move or not, I need to do this because I remember that cameo, and this means every bit as much to me as it does to you. I can promise that. Bro, it's kind of full circle how this all thing came to be. Nobody, Everybody always asks me, dude, they go, what What made you want to start this? And I give them like the cookie cutter response where I'm like, yeah, you know, you know. But then like this was kind of like the, uh, I guess, first time that I've kind of given people like the real backstory, I guess you could say, on why or how. I wanted to get started with it. What you said, man, it was just like really, really inspiring. I really appreciated what you said. You know, you weren't like short and to the point. Like you actually gave like good advice. Like I really appreciated that. Well, I appreciate you saying that, Mike. And honestly, man, like I really enjoy this interview. Your questions are interesting. They're not they're not the same questions you hear everywhere. Like uh, you do a great job, man. You definitely do. Well, I got one more question for you since we're at the end here. You know, we don't like to live in the gray areas, but if you were to go back and you were given like a genie right now to take back one TV moment of yours, what would you take back? Wow, that's, that is the best question I think I've ever been asked in a podcast to this day. Um because I like to think I wouldn't take any of them, but now I'm, I have to use this. So which one are we going to take out? I think, uh, oh, my God. Is it that? Oh, we're going to take out the, the, the Durrell and I on the ruins. We're going to take that out. Because wow. I think the outcome of that show would have been completely different. The irony is... It's not because of just the punch. That somehow brought Darrell and I closer together, and I learned a lot about myself through that experience. That was a horrible experience, Mike. I had to pinch, my, pinch myself literally in the hotel room the next day, praying it was a nightmare, and it turned out not to be. I really um, – the irony of that story is Kahuta went home in an elimination round that night, and when I came in the house door, I was sad that Kahuta went home, and Johnny and Darrell were drinking Jack Daniels straight out of the bottle, and – Darrell went to pass me the bottle, and I said, I'm not drinking tonight. And his response was, if Gahuda won, you would have drank with him. And to show Darrell that I was his boy, I grabbed the bottle out of his hand and just tipped it back and put a big dent in it to show him that we're friends. Now, that's my irony for you <laughs> because you know how that night ended up turning out. But um, 
I, I think that the, 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 it just, that was something that would have, it was just such a, a bad, just bad mix of moments, you know, that that just happened. And uh, I think that Darrell and I both would have added a lot more, you know, competition to that final. And it would have been a little bit more of a um, appropriate play out for the season. I think we took two big names out on a real stupid situation. And that's, that's, that's probably what I regret most about it. I'm glad you two were able to move past that, you know, like, obviously, like, you're both like two great guys who came up sort of at the same time, like it made it made no sense why that incident should have occurred. You know, you get the uh, kind of the devil's advocates out there that are like, this was awesome for the show and added to the TV element. But I don't think you ever want to see that like a situation get to what it got to between two guys like that. You know what I mean? Like, I'm glad that uh, you guys are like as good as you are to this day. Yeah, oh, I love Darrell. He's a great dude. Um, we really didn't skip a beat. Uh, the um, the one good thing of anything good that came from that, I think they really did start to tighten up the hard alcohol afterwards. And I think that um, that's helped the show just take a more healthy direction, not just for the uh, the cast members involved, but for the viewers to see that you know, we party too hard. These are stressful environments. You don't want to give too much alcohol in a stressful environment. And, and let's be honest, um, this show kind of pioneered this. We kind of, you know, laid the groundwork for the insurance policies for the rest of the, I used to be an insurance broker, so I know how this yeah. goes. If we don't have the, if we don't have the history to, for our actuaries to figure out what the risk actually is, then we don't know what to write. And that's kind of the same thing with this, without these first seasons and everything else, we wouldn't really know what should be acceptable and what shouldn't be acceptable, you know, in a lot of the, the shows we're watching today, because if you see the alcohol, it's pretty limited in most of these shows for a very good reason. And that's because it's a very psychologically intense environment. And if you give somebody a chemical out like that, and it's a casual thing that everybody's doing, um, it's too easy to think you're doing your job and taking the edge off and then have that turn into something else on the late night, you know? Yeah. And I, I was not not gonna lie though, I was kind of hoping you two would turn up on a rivals show just so you both could uh, get your another win. Can we still do that, Mike? Can we can still, we still could. Just put that I don't out? think. Can we put that out in the universe? And honestly, like, if there's one thing I'd really like to do with Darrell, it would be that. I, I we would have <laughs> lots of lots of laughter and good times. <laughs> All right, man. Well, I had a ton of fun chatting with you, and I look forward to uh, putting this out. I'm so pleased that you were uh, generous with your time today, and I had such a thorough time uh, chatting with you. So thank you so much for this opportunity. It's been a pleasure, Mike. Thanks for having me. And just to say, you know, uh, if you ever want to get something else together in the future, just hit me up, man, for sure. For sure, man. All right. Have a great rest of your day. You too, man. Thanks again. I appreciate you, Mike. For sure. All right, man. Take it easy. All right, bye.